As you heard our brothers read today's passage, which person did you identify with? What is your role in the crucifixion of the Christ? I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to chapter 19 of John as we look at the character and behavior of the participants in the crucifixion. First, we have the coward Pilate. In verse 4, he boldly proclaims he finds no guilt in Jesus. If you look at verse 4 and 5, uh, 4, 5, and 6, we read, Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Despite Pilate knowing the innocence of Jesus, here's the outcry of the Jews. He's afraid. He knows that Jesus is innocent. And so he, he wants to attempt to distance himself from Jesus and the decision of his life, the decision to crucify him. He tries to pawn off the responsibility onto the Jewish leaders. And the coward, in his fear, he retreats to the safety of his headquarters and questions Jesus. We, we read in verses 10 and 11, So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Does having the authority that belongs to God, claiming that for yourself, does that sound familiar? By saying this and doing this, Pilate has put himself in the company of the serpent, Pharaoh, Jeroboam, Ahab, Nebuchadnezzar, the demon legion, the Herodians, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. Christ promptly rebukes Pilate and tells him the authority is God, is God's. And Pilate, at this point, terrified, desires to release Jesus. However, the Jews also see the coward that Pilate is. They've heard already that Pilate knows Jesus to be innocent. And so the Jews threaten Pilate, siding with an enemy of Caesar, to which the coward promptly folds and delivers Jesus to be crucified. Our second participant are the Jews. In verse 6, we read at the very sight of Christ, they cry out, crucify him, crucify him. Their immediate opposition to God is made clear. And from their father, the devil, they spew lies, claiming that Jesus is a lawbreaker. In John 19, 7, we read, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. They appeal to the law of Moses, who was called by Jesus himself as the burning bush. This is the reason the I am must die? Keep your thumb in John 19, but please turn with me to Matthew 22. 
We're going to be looking at verses 34 through 40. Passage familiar to many of us in, in depending on which gospel you may have memorized this from. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Can you see the hypocrisy from the Jewish leaders? The Pharisees and Sadducees had just received this teaching on the law days earlier. Days. And yet they claim that Jesus is a lawbreaker. The very person they are to love with their heart, soul, and mind, they claim must die. Back in John 19, at verse 15, we read, They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. They have outright denied Christ as their king. Instead, they pledge allegiance to the world in the form of Caesar. The next participant we're going to look at are the soldiers. In verse 2, we are told they twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head. They taunt and strike Jesus. These soldiers were not following orders, just following orders. They can't even claim that lie. They relished in the pain that Jesus had to experience. Put yourself in the situation. You hear the cries from the streets for crucifixion from his own people. You're about to witness the worst possible way to kill someone. And in this environment, you shove thorns into his head. You strike him with your hands. You taunt and humiliate him for the benefit of your own pleasure. In verse 23, we read, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. After the soldiers crucified Jesus, they divide up his possessions. The soldiers are enjoying the pleasures of the world off of the death of the Messiah. As you consider these characters and people and participants in the crucifixion of our Christ, I ask again, who are you in this story? Are you, are you Pilate? Do you deceive yourself into thinking that your sin is someone else's fault and not your own? Do you decide what is good and evil for yourself? Bending God and his word to suit your desires? Are you the Jews? 
disgusted at the very sight of God? When you are home alone, do you deny God with your actions so that you might enjoy earthly pleasure? Outside of these walls, can you be identified as a follower of Christ, or do you just blend into the fevered mob? Are you the soldiers attacking God with your sin, consistently repeating the same sins over and over again, profiting off the death of Christ because God will forgive me, right? So which is it? Who are you? I'm hoping it's obvious. We're all of them. We can't read this passage. We can't read John 19 as a third-party observer and say, how dare they do this to him? He was on that cross because of our sin. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom we are the foremost. We say it as a church. Do you believe it as a church? But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came in humility. He lived a perfect life. He resisted the devil in the wilderness. He ministered to the poor and sick. He raised men to life. And our response was to crucify him. In obedience to the Father, the Son was beaten, mocked, and rejected by his own people. Nailed to a cross, the just died for the unjust. Christ experienced the divine justice of God and bore his wrath. Turn with me to 1 Peter 1, chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 18 through 21. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. For those of you who have not repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, let me make the gospel painfully clear. God, our creator, gave us his law, and hour by hour we break his law. For this, the penalty is death and eternal destruction. But Christ Jesus died on the cross to take that penalty, then the penalty of sin onto himself. But only for those who believe in the Lord our God and turn away from their sin. For my brothers and sisters in Christ, because we know the gravity of our sin, we can all the more be grateful for Christ's sacrifice. The wages of sin is death, and the wages have been paid. Turn with me to Psalm 18. Let's receive some encouragement for those that are in Christ. We're going to look at a Psalm of David in Psalm 18, verses 20 through 24. Psalm 18, 20 through 24. 
The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt, from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. David was not sinless, but he can boldly say that he is blameless before God. This is because David faithfully worshiped God, which would require a sacrifice to atone for his sin. So how much greater for us as believers, knowing that Christ is our perfect sacrifice, can we have confidence in the words of this psalm from David? I'd like to read this psalm again, tweaked with the perspective of Christ and his sacrifice for us. The Lord dealt with me according to Christ's righteousness. According to the cleanness of Jesus' hands, he rewards me. For Christ has kept the ways of the Lord and has not wickedly departed from God. For all God's rules were before him and his statutes Jesus did not put away from him. Christ was blameless before him and Jesus kept me from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to Christ's righteousness, according to the cleanness of Jesus' hands in his sight. Christians, rejoice knowing that our God died so that we can experience eternal life with him. Please pray with me. God, this is a somber day. This is a somber topic. You are on that cross for our sin. Before the foundation of the world, you knew what must be done, and you did it. You asked that the Father might take that cup from you, and yet you obeyed. You saw it through. Lord, we do not deserve this in any way. There is no self-righteousness allowed in here. The soldiers are no better than us. Pilate is no worse than us. The Jews are no worse than us, Lord. In our sin, we continue to yell, crucify him, and yet you have mercy on us. God, this is entirely a work of you, not in any way a work of us, and we are grateful. We are grateful for what you've done. God, please allow us to take the somberness and understanding of the consequences of sin with us beyond just Good Friday. Allow us to know the... the, significance of our sin before we commit the sin. But Lord, also help us not to forget that we are not slaves to sin. We are slaves to Christ. You died to allow us to transfer our slavery from an oppressive slavery of sin and instead to the freeing slavery of Christ. We pray that you will make us more righteous, more holy, and more like your holy son, Please bless us this day and help prepare our minds and hearts as we worship you the rest of today and prepare for worship on Sunday when we get to rejoice boldly at the resurrection of the Christ. May you be glorified by every person in this room and may your son bring this offering of our music to you and give it as a sweet incense to your ear. In your son's name I pray. Amen.